There's a cat named Joe. He wears a red bandana, plays a blues piano. Just be cool. He wears a red bandana, plays a blues piano. You're listening to KBOO Portland. You probably know that KBOO Community Radio is listener-sponsored. But did you know that 80% of our funding comes from donations from listeners just like you? You can always make a donation to keep KBOO independent and non-commercial at kboo.fm give. But right now, during our end-of-the-year drive, is the perfect time to contribute help us reach our goal of $70,000 by December 31st. Make your tax-deductible year-end donation at kboo.fm slash give today. And thanks. Hi, this is Emma. I am a co-host of Transpositive here on KBOO Community Radio and also the president of the board of directors of KBOO. And I just want to take a quick break here um, to remind you that uh, kboo.fm slash give is the place to go if you'd like to make a donation today on Giving Tuesday. Um, at KBOO, we prove every day that people-powered radio has the ability to bring us together across distances and give us hope when we feel despair. Let your friends and family know that you believe that community radio matters. Join thousands of supporters of KBOO from all around the world. Let's rally together to build a stronger community. Help us meet our end-of-the-year membership drive goal of $70,000. We're community funded, so we need your support to get there. 
Just go to kboo.fm slash give or text KBOO to this number, 44321. Good evening. Listening to Transpositive here on KBOO Community Radio. My name is Emma and I use she and her pronouns. Tonight we're honored to have with us Jane Comer and Catherine Goforth uh, from Fuse Theater Ensemble. Uh, and we're going to be talking about their new production of Thornton Wilder's Our Town. Jane and Catherine, welcome to Transpositive. Good to be here, Emma. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. So um, I would love it if first you could introduce yourselves, uh, share with us your uh, preferred pronouns, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves. I guess I can go first. I'm Jane Comer. I I use she, her pronouns. I'm I'm the... um, board president of Fuse Theater Ensemble, as well as a performer in this production of Our Town. And I've been doing theater. I, I, I started doing theater when I was 11 years old. I just turned 63 a couple of days ago. So that adds up to, I don't know, 52 years. <laughs> and uh, I'm also on the ex- executive board committee at, at Portland Area Theater Alliance. And, uh, and like I said, I've been doing theater for 52 years and what that involves I've been an I've been an actress certainly and I've, I'm also a playwright thank you and Catherine um hi my name is Catherine Goforth and uh my pronouns are she her um I'm uh primarily working in classical music uh but um I'm joining Fuse for this production of Our Town um I uh trying to think of what I've done in the area. I've sung with Portland Opera. Um, I'm singing with Vancouver Symphony uh, in the spring, um, but I'm really looking forward to uh, joining with Fuse for this. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here on Transpositive. Um, so uh, Fuse Theater Ensemble's latest production is Our Town. Uh, let's start by, first of all, just telling us uh, where is it gonna be performed? When is it gonna be performed? Uh, how can people find out about it? Well, it'll be performed in uh, the Fuse space. Uh, uh, we um, run the Backdoor Theater, which is a well-known venue in on Hawthorne Boulevard here in Portland. And uh, it, it's um, in, it's kind of in the back part. Um, it's uh, in, a, in a special space uh, behind the Common Common Grounds Coffee Shop there on on Hawthorne Boulevard. And that's why we call it the Backdoor Theater. And um, and we're scheduled to open our town on December 2nd, and we run all the way through um, Christmas Eve, actually. Oh, great. Well, that's really exciting. That's a good long run. Um, so our town, Thornton Wilder, tell me a little bit about the play. Uh, let's, let, let's talk about uh, why did you choose the play first? Well, it's actually been 
I have to tell on myself, it's been a pet project of mine for a long, long time. I, I have a personal history with the play. I originally played the part I'm playing in this production of Our Town back in 1979, when I was a senior in high school, age 19. And I always wanted to revisit the role and end the play as an adult at some point. And it took a few years, but, but here we are. And I've always had this idea of doing a different version of it though, doing what we are doing right now, which is a, a queer production with um, a noticeably queer cast doing these famous roles. Um, Our Town's a classic of American theater written by Thornton Wilder and originally produced in 1938. And, uh, and it's been a mainstay of many high schools over the years. Very popular, you know, properly done in high schools, even though it's a very deep and in some ways very dark play, but it's still very popular among a lot of people, especially, like I said, high school audiences. And it, like I said, it's been something, it's been a dream of mine for many, many years. And uh, now thanks to the Fuse Theater Ensemble, it's actually coming true. And um, I, my own personal history, I transitioned about 20, 20 some years ago. And, um, and at that point, I figured a lot of my dreams for my future theater career, including maybe doing Our Town Again, were probably off the table. And um, for a long time, I couldn't, I was a working performer who got cast quite a lot and suddenly nobody knew what to do with me and I didn't get cast. And I kept active by being an audience member and developing myself as a, a playwright. And, and lo and behold, all these years later, my dream has come true. So anybody out there listening who thinks that if you, if you need the transition, it means giving up on all your dreams, don't think that way because your dreams can come true. And, and I, I'm certainly somebody who can testify to that. Thank you. Catherine, do you have any thoughts to follow up on Jane's comments? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, but you know, the first thing that came to mind is, is like what's driven me to theater is that uh, I, I find right now the classical music world doesn't have a um, very strong idea of what to do with me. Um, so uh, yeah, it's interesting hearing you say that, Jane, because I feel like um, that's, that's definitely something that's coming up for me. Whereas I feel like the theater world really does know what to do with me. Um, and uh, there are opportunities like these where I, I get to, you know, come in and play roles that are, um, affirming to who I am and that I can interpret them from the ground of who I am. Um, that's to me, like when we talk about queering our town, that's what it means. I also did our town in high school. Um, and uh, when I think about that production, when I think about the way I usually hear our town done, when I think about the script, there are very like obvious ways to do the, the lines in our town, which are all very straightforward, um, like a very typical, um, how do I say this? Like a leave it to beaver interpretation, if that makes sense. It's it, it uh, and that's how I think our town is most often done. To me, what queering our town means is that we've looked at every single line in the play and talked about what other nuances there could be to the line, um, to the character, to the reason that they're saying those words. What would it mean for us to say that line? What kind of personal nuance can we find in it? Um, and, and so it's not so much, uh, you know, when we say queering that I feel like we're reinterpreting our tone, but it's more that w w we bring a very clear perspective to the text and to the piece 
Um, and, and we're trying to bring all of ourselves in the way that we read it, in the way that we speak the lines. Can you give us a brief synopsis, the arc of our town? Jane, that's kind of your role, right? It is. It's actually exactly what I do in my role, is I tell people what's going on. And uh, the employee of our town takes place in a fictional town called Grover's Corners, New Hampshire. And it's a, it's a, basically you're taking a look at what works out to be about three days, at, you know, in different decades, over the course of about a decade in this town, Grover's Corners. And um, you see how the people live, um, how they find love and how they um, find what, what, you know, what comes later. And uh, the, the play works like a, a piece of nostalgia for the first couple of acts. And then it's got this third act where all of that kind of goes out the window and you're in some different place that you didn't expect to be. And that's where a lot of the power from the show comes from, is from that third act. And like I said, it's, a, it's actually a rather dark play to be so popular in high schools, but it does, you know, strike a chord uh, with a lot of audiences just because of the um, the way it introduces that darkness of the third act. And... So not to give away the ending of our town, no spoilers, but could you give us a sense of how the play goes um, in a different direction in the third act? Well, the first couple of acts are, the first act is about the daily life. And the second act is called Love and Marriage. And uh, the daily life, you just see how the folks in Grover's Corners live and you are introduced to the characters of George and Emily, um, the young lovers of the play. And in the second act, you see how they make their decisions to come together. You know, they fall in love, um, get married, and create a home underneath the roof. And uh, the second act ends with the uh, the wedding. And then uh, the third act is nine years later, and something tragic has befallen, uh, you know, the uh, George and Emily. And the third act deals with that. Uh, and Maybe it's not giving away too much of a spoiler, but the third act deals with death. How is a play like this approached by a queer theater ensemble? Uh, I think that's tell a great me a little bit about Tell me a little bit about your process. You know, I, I think the first thing is about how um, the rehearsal environment is set up. Uh, how, how many times in this process um, the voices of each cast member and each person who happens to be in the room that day um, have been honored. How many times people have been able to speak openly about um, either their needs as a character, their needs as a performer, their needs as a person. Um, I'm dealing with such and such today. I'm having a hard time with such and such today. Um, there's been a lot of uh, ways that we've tried to offer each other care throughout the rehearsal process. Um, and we've tried to have a, a sort of a sense of um, uh, our own community within the cast. I feel a little, you know, self-conscious speaking for anyone else's experience. That's certainly been my experience. Um, it's, it's been a very um, affirming process for me as a person in a way that I have rarely experienced in the performing arts. Um, and then, uh, Sorry, could you ask the question again? I got a little bit caught up in my feelings. 
Oh, that was a great answer. Um, <clears throat> the question was, how does a queer, I, th I think the question was, how does a queer cast approach our town? What is your process? <clears throat> I, th I think the next step of the process ha had to do with the way that we did our table read, which was really totally revolutionary for me. The kinds of conversations that we had, the things that people were sharing, there was a lot of just openness about this is what I see in it. This is my experience with this topic. Um, uh, there was just, um, there was a willingness to hear the different reactions that different people had to just the words themselves and the play itself. And then to letting those perspectives shape the way that we went on to interpret our production. Not that the way the production was, was going to be was set you know, from the beginning, uh, instead that um, we crafted, you know, the production together. There, uh, uh, one thing that Rusty, our director, said in, in the beginning of the process was, at the beginning stage, there'll be a lot of yes. And I think that's true. I think a lot of people had, had different ideas. What if we did it this way? What if we did it that way? And, and there was a lot of, yes, let's try it. Um, so I, for me, uh, a really important part of that is uh, just how affirming the process has been to me, and I, I think to all or many of the people involved. And uh, it, my perspective is, you know, I always thought in terms, well, let's just do a, a version of Our Town. We're doing this with a much smaller cast than Our Town is usually done, um, including myself. There's just six performers. And so we're doubling, and some of us are doubling up on more than one character. And my, my idea had always been, well, let's get, you know, some of the best, you know, people of different identities, different, you know, queer identities together, the most gifted group of people we could find and just have them all do our town. And we would, you know, insert ourselves into the story and that all by itself would, you know, would have a querying effect. And the audiences would see just vis visibly, well, we're, we're not like your normal um, Our Town cast. And that, that alone makes it special and makes it queer in our case. Now, in our case, we're very blessed that we have artistic director Rusty Tennant directing Our Town. And, you know, there, there are not enough words to compliment Rusty Tennant on how Rusty, how they um, are directing this show and, and helping us to find the nuance in every single moment. And so I thought I'd put that out there too, you know, as a theater company, having a rusty tenant as our artistic director, it's just, it, it, it's, it's, it goes to the very core of who we are. Rusty is right there. And so that, that's a great blessing for this production. Tell me a little bit about Rusty. What does Rusty do that is so special? Well, I think he meets us all where we are. He, or they um, look for a way to, um, yeah, you know, to meet us where we are, we, you know, um, Catherine and I are, 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 are both trans women and um, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I believe we're both binary trans women. So that's, um, you know, that's mostly, you know, one type of person in the show, but we've also got non-binary performers and um, 
gay performers. And so it's not just all trends or one particular identity going on. And Rusty is looking to incorporate aspects of all those identities. And uh, I mean, there's even a certain, I guess, you can't avoid it. It was written primarily for a, a cis straight cast and the script still has remnants of that even if you do cast it with queer people. And so a lot of us are playing that, that, that script straight, even though we're putting this queer sensibility behind every word we do. And Rusty is a great facilitator for that. And Rusty keeps us on task regarding that. What is, uh, what's the appeal of our town? Why do you think that it's been such a mainstay of community theater and, uh, you know, community productions since it was first written? Well, it's a piece that's often about the people who are performing it. You know, and for me, some of my personal resonance in that, I have, you know, family that comes from a small town. My grandfather died about um, two or three weeks ago, you know, in the middle of rehearsals and his obituary came out and I was like, it's literally our town. Um, you know, I, I think it's, uh, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, personal connections for the people who have tended to perform this particular play. And uh, I know that, yeah, our town just speaks to human existence and a lot of great theater does that. I mean, we've got the beginnings of life. The, the play begins with a birth. And uh, then we have, you know, the growing up the finding somebody to be in a relationship with. And then we have what happens at the end of life. And so it's it's all there, the human existence is there. And, 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 and it's hard to find people that can't relate to that, you know, that, that it's got everything you, you'd want in a story. It's not just one little thing, but it's the whole sweeping thing. The whole, you know, the whole story of our existence all in one play. And, uh, and and it tends to no. I I remember my high school production. It um, it came after um, our theater teacher, and I I went to a small school too, Dallas, Oregon, right outside Salem. And our theater teacher had died in the middle part of my senior year, and he had been my mentor. I mean, he had been everything to me. I was a, a closeted trans woman even then. I knew then. I knew when I was four. And I had dealt with that by becoming a performer, but being a very funny performer to hide who I was. And suddenly my school decided with a new theater um, teacher in, in, you know, in the school uh, to do Our Town for the spring play. It would be the last play I would do in high school as it worked out. And they, they wanted me to play the stage manager. They, somebody uh, knew how, you know, my skills and thought I'd be good in that role. And I was kind of thrown for a loop because I can't play the stage manager as a goofball. That, that's what I did. I played goofball characters and, and I couldn't do that. I had to somehow be more authentic, more myself. And so in a way it was my first time revealing myself on a stage to people. I, I didn't tell them I was playing myself a woman, but, but, but I did. And it was an important, thing for me because I realized I could be, I could be myself on a stage and people wouldn't hate me. Mm -hmm. And and so that's why this has stayed with me all these years and I've had this notion that I would like to revisit it 
and and that's what I'm getting to do now and and it's you know I'm getting the be myself totally in the role which is really interesting and of course I'm not the same person I was when I was 19 but but who is and uh, and it's but it's it's just a, it, that's my personal process you know and people like to know you know what the individual performers you know what their process is and that's mine in this case um, I, I think there's another aspect of our town that, that we have to think about and talk about um, you know from a from a normative white perspective our town is a very unoffensive play. It's a play that's appropriate for children. It's a play that's appropriate to read in high school. There's a lot of Christianity in it. There's, um, uh, you know, this sort of depiction of classic um, Americana is how I think it's often interpreted. So that's also something that we, you know, that we've grappled a lot with throughout this production. How much of that is really in the text? How much of that is just what people have read into it? Um, how does that uh, interact with our personal feelings on those topics? But I, I think that's a, also a, a part of the history of our town and part of what queering it means to us is to, is to try to do at least something to come to terms with those elements of the text. But to kind of work around, I kind of got off track there a moment ago, but what I was uh, getting to with my high school production was um, in the face of that death, uh, my um, theater uh, teacher in high school was a everybody's favorite teacher he was only 28 when he died and it was just a horrible shock and this play that dealt with death uh, there are there are very few plays you can do that are very popular in high school that deal with death and this this play um, deals with death and it's something that a lot of people find useful especially in a situation like uh, my high school was in at that time. It was a, a play that even to this day, people see me if I go back to Dallas and they rem remember that production of Our Town because it it touched everybody when we um, discussed death in the third act of that play. And and I think that's the meaning that a lot of people get from it. No, no matter who you are, we all have to face that that issue of death at some point. And 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 so that's i think why this show still resonates with people so much yeah i think that's right I, I think it's a piece that allows you to read your own experience uh with death into it so that if you're a person who has uh maybe no experience with or you know a very surface level experience you can read it from that perspective but for those of us who have some kind of profound experiences with death in one way or another um we can also read that much deeper level into it and uh, express that part of our experience through it. Hi, this is Emma. I am a co-host of Trans Positive here on KBU Community Radio, and I'm also the current president of the Board of Directors of KBU. Uh, before we start the show today, I just want to remind you that 
Um, if you can, please go to kboo.fm slash give and give. At KBOO, we prove every day that people-powered radio has the ability to bring us together across distances and give us hope when we feel despair. Dear friends here at KBOO Community Radio, I want to remind you that generosity has the same power. Join thousands of KBOO supporters from all around the world, and let's rally together to build stronger communities. Our goal for this year is $70,000 for our end-of-the-year membership drive. We are community-funded, and we need your support to get there. So please just go to kboo.fm slash give, or text KBOO to this number, 44321. And now on to our show. Do you alter the text in any way? There are a couple lines um, about a baby that I was personally not comfortable with, and we have just chosen to omit those. Um, Otherwise, I don't think we're doing anything. Is that right, Jane? Right. We're just not, um, um, you know, uh, the character of Emily is written as a cis woman. And um, I mean, it was an option. I mean, uh, there's an issue with the childbirth and we decided not to include those lines regarding childbirth because, you know, it, it, it was, I mean, we could have gone either way, but we decided it might be better just not to include those lines. But otherwise Other- the text is, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, no, no, no. Otherwise just our uh, entire process of, of querying the piece and querying the text has literally been querying the piece and querying the text. Uh, that's part of what's so powerful for us about making this interpretation. We didn't have to read queerness into our town, but we were already there. Can you and, explain a little? Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I'm sorry. I was just going to interject something here, but um, part of our notion in doing this play is um, it's the our part of our town. Um, too often, queer people they don't do our town, you know, but but it's our town too, and that's kind of the idea here. It's our town too. So when people see the play. What is it about the play that people see that's queer? Is it simply the gender presentation of the performers? Is it is there something more subtle going on? Well, I have a ton to say about this one because for me, one of the running conversations through our rehearsal process is how queer is it to be trans? Especially if you're a binary person, you know? And, and um, no, I, I think that's a really good question. Um, I think it depends what you think queerness is and how you see queerness in your own life. You know, I think for someone for whom queerness is normal uh, or normative, they might not see anything. You know what I mean? We're trying to, to, to create um, lives that just represent who we are. So if I'm normal to someone, there's nothing queer there. If there's someone for whom I'm uh, degenerate, if there's someone for whom I'm better off dead, then I think they'll see me as extremely queer in this play. You know, so to me, that question, it has a lot to do with what we mean when we use the word queer or or when we talk about queerness or or when we self-identify as queer. Um, I mean, in this play, some of us do the exact same 
toxic behaviors that cishet people do, you know? But even that can be part of queerness. We're not perfect people. We're not immune, you know, from any of those behaviors. So that's sort of how I would start to answer that question. Thank you. Your thoughts? I was just going to add, um, I play, you know, the stage manager who's pretty much on stage the entire show. And, and uh, the stage manager typically is played uh, by a male performer, but it can be played by either. It's often listed now in casting calls as either. And uh, the gender switches regarding, you know, who's playing the part. And and in this case, I'm definitely playing the part as a woman. I'm not necessarily playing it as a trans woman. I'm just playing it as myself. I, um, some people joke I'm kind of the Carol Burnett of, of trans um, women performers because I, I just come across as your favorite trans woman next door in some cases. And uh, I mean, I am who I am and people may see who I am. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of, especially as some um, women who are binary trans women, just want, you know, we just play, do things as women, but it's it, like Catherine was saying, it's how, it's how people see us. And so, um, you know, the, the queerness can be very implicit that way, just because we are who we are playing these parts. Thank you. I think, can I say one more thing? Sorry. Please. I don't know if this, I don't know if this one's going to make it to air, but I, I think something that is undeniably going to become part of our process over the next week and a half or so before we open is the shooting that's just happened in Colorado Springs. And, and so I think in the way that we look at queerness or have defined queerness within the cast, um, that response in itself is queer. That way of working together, whether it's how we work together, whether it changes anything in the production or not, um, that's definitely something that I'm gonna be carrying into the room with me for the rest of this process and, and throughout the run. Um, so I don't, I don't know, you know, we have to see how that might evolve or might not evolve. Um, but but that to me is is part of the experience that I'm bringing to my portrayal of my roles, um, and that to me that's personal authenticity. Bringing yourself to the production is is again part of what it means to be queer and to be doing a queer reading. Thank you. Yes, I, I think that it affects the whole community whenever an act of violence is perpetrated against someone who's identifiably. LGBTQ, um, and I think that what happened at Club Q in Colorado Springs is uh, absolutely devastating. Thank you for reminding us of that. You're listening to Transpositive here on KBOO Community Radio. Uh, my name is Emma Lugo. I am one of the co-hosts of Transpositive. Tonight we are talking with Jane Comer and Catherine Goforth about Rusty Tennant's Fuse Theater Ensemble's new production of Our Town by Thornton Wilder. So once again, uh, Jane or Catherine, can you just give us the details? Uh, when is the play being performed? Uh, where is it at? And how can people find out more about it? Um, it's being produced um, 
at the Backdoor Theater on Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard. Um, it's located behind the Common Grounds Coffee Shop. And uh, the performances are, um, they, they, the show opens on December 2nd and it runs through December 24th. So if you don't have plans on Christmas Eve, um, uh, you know, there's an option for you right there. Um, now, our, price, our tickets um, are available at our, on our website at Fuse Theater Ensemble, all one word, dot com. And we, you know, we, we do ask that you make reservations in advance because seating is rather limited in our space. And um, at Fuse Theater Ensemble, absolutely nobody is turned away for lack of funds. Thank you so much. So in, in theater tradition, there are lots of different ways of doing a performance. And I'm wondering if you have any conversation with the cast and with the director uh, around what kind of a queer presentation it is. Um, it could be a, a campy presentation, but it doesn't sound like it's campy. It sounds like you're doing a play that's just kind of a straight read, but it's it's a queer, it's, it's, it's everyone's queer, and so your queerness informs it. Can you talk a little bit about camp and how camp might inform or not inform your production? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, my experience has been that too often us in, you know, the LGBTQ community, um, uh, the queer community are um, forced off into camp. That that's all we're allowed to do. That's what people want us to see us do is camp. And the whole idea with this concept was, you know, we should be able to do a serious production of Our Town too. Why, why can't we do that as well? I mean, camp is wonderful. It, it's great. Nobody enjoys a, you know, a great parody performance of something more than I do. But that's not all there is. You know, life is more than that. And that's true for queer people too. And uh, a part of the process of us getting our full, you know, right to exist in this world is that we should be able to do anything that cis straight people do and that's in, that, that includes doing a straightforward serious production of our town not not having to resort to parodying this uh, this masterwork by Thornton Wilder is there any conversation within the cast around how to appropriately and respectfully play the characters and kind of avoid some of those landmines that exist for us in the queer community. Um, people don't necessarily know this from outside of queer spaces, but the queer community has a lot of um, strains. It has a lot of uh, cultures within it. And sometimes those cultures come into conflict. And I'm wondering if there's ever any kind of a conversation within the space uh, around some of those potential conflicts in reading and seeing how queer people are seen. Well, we did, um, we talked about this a little earlier, but we did a, um, a lot of productions will do like a day or two of what we call table work, where we, um, the cast will read through the script and all the cast members and crew will discuss the script and how best to do this particular production. But we actually did a full week 
of of table um, table work where we went over all the different parts of the show and well how are we going to approach this and how are we going to do this and everybody contributing their thoughts and ideas about the piece in front of us and, and that's a very in, in, important part of what we've done with this production um, um, so we're all kind of on the same page as to where we're going so i'd like to ask you a little bit about some of the characters that you're playing in the production. Um, if each of you could just tell me a little bit about maybe one or two of the characters that you're playing and what you really love about representing those characters. Well, I play the part of the stage manager. Um, it, it's um, one of the most, you know, a lot of people, when they think of our town, they think of the stage manager. The stage manager is this character that appears at the very beginning of the show and they're not quite of the show. They, you know, the, the name, the stage manager implies that they're the stage manager of that production overseeing uh, the technical running of the show. But they're, they're actually a lot you know, more than that. They're just this person that seems to know everything that's ever gonna happen to any of the characters in town and knows the history of the town, knows, knows just about everything. And, and there's a lot of debate. A lot of people have different thoughts on just who the stage manager actually is. Is the stage manager a technician, you know, in, as implied by the title? Is the um, stage manager a ghost of somebody who was in, you know, in, from Grover's Corners? Is the stage manager possibly some kind of angel or spirit? Or, or it may be even a godlike figure that just seems to have all this control over this town. Because as the play goes on, it's like the stage manager will stop, will stop the play in progress and move on to something else. And, and just has a, an awful lot of control. So uh, the, the stage manager is that type of character. Um, and at times the stage manager becomes one of the town's people and is in the play. And a lot of other times the stage manager is off to the side, just observing everything. And it's a very interesting uh, character to play. I want to talk about uh, playing Emily Webb. Um, it will be difficult for me to find the words to do that. Um, Emily is, it's just been a really uh, extraordinary thing for me to be playing a character who's so often depicted as the prototypical American girl. And uh, to have, it's really one of still my first opportunities to play a woman on stage at all. Uh, I really don't know if I can find the words for this one, to be honest. I think one of the struggles for me with Emily is that she's so often portrayed as a figure and not as a human being with a wide range of emotions. Um, I think certain aspects of her personality are often downplayed in interpretations of our town. Um, I think it's, uh, it's just really wonderful to get to imagine myself like that, uh, to imagine myself as a person like that to even uh, go back into my past and sort of reimagine the roles that I was playing at a certain age. Um, the characters are different ages throughout the show, sometimes younger than I am now. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm sorry, this one is really hard to find the words on. It's a really extraordinary oh, no. experience for me. 
Yeah, no, you're doing a wonderful job. I mean, you you almost make Emily sound to me like she's your best friend. <laughs> That's interesting. I still feel like I'm getting to know her. Emily is like a Hamlet figure. It's like there's no way to pin her down, I feel like. There's so much information and there's not enough information at the same time. And I'm filling in so many gaps and on different days, I feel differently about how to fill those gaps in. Um, I'm thinking of that well-behaved women never make history quote. Emily chooses to be well-behaved over and over. Um, and it's like, you have to read in between the lines to really get to know her. Um, where she builds to in the third act is also absolutely extraordinary. You know, I think when Jane was talking about death earlier, I think one of the interesting things about death is that we can read it as literal death. We can read it as some kind of change. Emily is like, becomes a completely different person. You see before your eyes how she goes through that process of becoming a different person. And I just like, I can't help but think of transition. And it's like, uh, I have to speak for myself, but it's like, uh, before I transitioned, I had an idea of like what my life would be. And then like, I did transition and then like each step I keep taking into my future. It's like that idea of what my future would be like keeps changing and keeps changing and keeps changing. And then sometimes I do things where I'm like, oh, wow, I'm really like in old, you know, an old mode of how I used to act and how I used to behave. Um, and you actually see that with Emily in the third act that she like she's like going back and forth between different modes of being as she's understanding this new version of, of who she is uh, I guess that's um, uh, again that's me you know how I'm sort of queering the text like um, to, to look at Emily's experience as like you can even read it as a trans experience, at least for me. Um, anyways, there's there's really just like, you could talk about Emily for hours. There's so many things to say about her. Mm -hmm. I might add, Emily's always been my favorite play, uh, character in our town. I, uh, the stage manager is the, the, the part I'm best suited for playing, but, but Emily is my favorite character. Transgender people don't live here. I've never met anyone who's transgender. I swear I don't know someone who's transgender. Transgender and non-binary people like me hear this all the time. But according to the HRC Foundation, there are more than 2 million transgender people in the United States. We live in every community across this country. You might be surprised to hear that there are more transgender and non-binary people in the United States than there are. Starbucks, McDonald's, and Walmart locations combined. In fact, if you put us all together, there'd be more non-binary and transgender folks than the populations of DC, or Nebraska, or Maine, or Idaho, or West Virginia. As a matter of fact, 
15 states have a lower population than the amount of trans folks in the U.S. So here are a few things to keep in mind. You don't always know when a person is trans. But we're your neighbors, your co-workers, your students, your customers, and even your friends and family. We exist in every culture, todas las culturas, throughout human history. And while we're more visible than ever before, sometimes you just don't see us. So when you hear about politicians pushing forward discriminatory bills, know this, these bills address problems that aren't even real. Problems that don't actually exist. But we do. 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 And we need your support. Tell me, what is it like, Jane, uh, being the stage manager? How, how does that feel? Um, well, you know, it, I have a, a kind of a personal connection with it. I, I have very much, my life's passion has been theater acting. I even do a solo play that some people may have seen called I Am an Actress, a passion play that talks about my early history, you know, struggling to overcome a speech impediment and just being gender dysphoric in a time and place where little was there was little understanding of it and and how I found my way as a as an actor and and somehow the the character of the stage manager plays into that I I my own personal um, um, little theater um, um, nameplate I use is theater dust um, and that's for the things I do. I, I put that name on it as the DBA, doing business as. And it's because of the sense that when I'm when I'm gone, when I face death, I, I've always joked that oh, I'm just going to wind up being some theater dust in the corner somewhere. And uh, that's my 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 connection to theater. And the stage manager is just like the perfect thing like that. That that's the kind of person I am. I'm just that that creature that kind of lives in the corner of the stage and comes out every so often and, you know, and seems to ha have a the super understanding of theater because it's it's something I've just loved all my life. And uh, and 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 that's why the, the, the character of the stage manager is a, a fun one to play for people who love theater as much as I do, just because it is such a theatrical role. And and the, the the character has no boundaries. Uh, the character just kind of appears and disappears, but is always sort of there. And uh, it, it's just a, a, it's a it's a fun part to play too. It you know it, it it's a difficult part in the sense that you have a lot of lines to memorize. And I've found lately I used to have this great memory, and it's not quite there like it used to be. But but man, am I am I enjoying the challenge? And it's just one of those kind of parts. Thank you. Um, I, I wanted to make sure to give you a minute or two, Jane, to tell us a little bit about the Portland Area Theatre Alliance, because you mentioned that at the very beginning of the show, and I didn't have a chance to ask you more about that. Well, absolutely. Um, the Portland Area Theatre Alliance is the local um, service organization for all area Portland theatre companies. Um, a lot of um, major um, theater markets in, in America have organizations such as this, including Seattle, Chicago, even New York has, you know, umbrella organizations that kind of help out. And, uh, and PADA is Portland's version of that. It's been around since the late 1980s. And we oversee a lot of things now. Um, 
in a lot of cases, we've stepped in to take over running things that were started independently of us. And in the past, we've overseen the Drammy Awards and they may make a return at some point. Right now, they're kind of on hiatus. Um, we we're famous for our general auditions where actors from all over Portland can audition for all Portland theater companies at the same time. And it's a, you know, it's a great help both for the theater companies and for the actors, you know, you, you can go on and just do that one audition and be seen by everybody, which is, you know, a wonderful thing. You know, it saves a lot of time. You still have to wind up going to the individual auditions a lot of times, but, but that's a great way to break the ice, especially if you're a brand new performer in the Portland area. We also do um, um, classical audition, general auditions as well that are done separately um, from the general auditions where actors who are looking to look to be in Shakespearean productions and that sort of thing. Those companies often audition um, early in the year and they're looking to do summer performances in the park and that sort of thing. And we oversee some auditions for that. We also oversee the incredibly wonderful Photo Ground Festival, which is um, uh, an opportunity for theater producers and makers to produce their works and put their works up and have a, a central way of being, you know, publicized as part of this festival so that um, um, people can come and, and see what you have and get, you know, it, it's a lot easier to have all that publicity coming all that from one area rather than everybody having to try to do it all by themselves. And, and some wonderful works have been created over the years at Fertile Ground. Um, we're also, uh, Fertile Ground's on hiatus this year as well. Uh, we're, we're still dealing with pa pandemic fallout to some degree, and we're trying to get our, ourselves more, more on square footing. Um, but it will certainly be back the, the year after this one. And so that's just a kind of an overview of all the things we help with in Portland Theater. We're also a place on our website where actors can keep their resumes on display and and so um, theater companies looking for somebody can take a look and find somebody that they can contact and bring in and for an audition if necessary. And we're working on creating right now a brand new website that will go even further and have all kinds of interesting information uh, that can be a, assistance to all Portland area theater makers. So. I don't know. I just did that off the top of my head. I hope that was informative. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we're talking tonight with uh, Jane Comer and Catherine Goforth about Rusty Tennant's Fuse Theater Ensemble and their December production of Our Town by Thornton Wilder with an all-queer cast. We just have a few minutes left. Um, I'd like to ask, uh, what do you think is going to be harder to do, uh, opening night or closing? Uh, I think I'm going to be more nervous for opening night, and I think I'm going to be more tired for closing night. So I think they're both very <laughs> difficulties. Yeah, opening night's always a tough one. You're usually tired because you had a long week running up to it. And there's always that, you know, that first time you're hitting the ground, uh, you know, you're trotting the boards in front of an audience. and. And so forth. Uh, I know for me, closing night may be very emotional because it will represent, like I've been saying, you know, this this is just a wonderful thing as an individual for me. And and I, I get the feeling that uh, come closing night when we take our final bows, I might get a little emotional that you know, whenever you've accomplished something, you know, big or small, you, you kind of get a little emotional when you realize you've you've done it, you've finished it. And, and so that might be something just for me personally there. 
Yeah, closing night is always really fun because everyone tends to give 110 instead of 100. And um, yeah, I'm more worried for like, I don't know, show 10, you know, show 13. When you've been doing it so many times, uh, you know, the interpretation starts to shift. And things, you have to keep things fresh for yourself. You, you have to stay in the emotion. You have to stay in your interpretation. And so things just like, keep subtly changing and some nights you find it and some nights you don't um yeah yeah so you know it's the middle of the run that i think really takes the most sort of devotion and commitment and all that how, how many how many shows a week are you going to be doing uh we're doing four shows a week uh for the month of december is that right jane right and trying to remember exactly the account i think we we were going to do more originally we bought the rights to do more but we're it's going to be a I think 14, I think it's 14 that we're doing. Wow. So by the end of December, you'll be ready for a vacation. No, no, I'm somebody who, I always joke, I love the long run. You know, you do all the work in rehearsal, why not run a long time with it? Because interesting things happen the longer you do a show. You find little things that work better and, you know, and that's part of the fun too, that long run sometimes. So. Thank yeah, you. it's a huge privilege because uh, in classical music um, in America, it's very rare to do something more than two or three times in a row. You know, to do something for a whole month, that's an amazing challenge as a performer. Hmm. Is there anything that we haven't covered tonight that you'd still like to share with, uh, with the radio audience? We have a wonderful cast. I mean, the talent is through the roof. And I'm biased, but, but it's the truth. And we are working very hard on this, and and I hope as many people as possible can come see this. Uh, it, it is a, a special event in in Portland, um, a chance uh, uh, for for us to have. You know, it's it, once again, it's our town too. It's not just their town, but it's our town too. Thank you. Um, we've been listening tonight with uh, chatting tonight with Jane Comer and Catherine Goforth from Fuse Theater Ensemble about their December production of Our Town by Thornton Wilder. And uh, just for one last time, if you can tell us uh, where is the play being performed and how can people find out more about it? It's being performed at the um, Backdoor Theater, which is a theater space in the very back part. You have to the easiest way to get there is to go through the coffee shop, Common Grounds Coffee Shop, uh, and you go through and the, there's a back door um, that you go through and there's the theater. So it's the back door theater. Um, we open December 2nd and we run through um, Christmas Eve, December 24th. If you need more information, just look up Fuse's website or find Fuse on Instagram or Facebook. Thank you, Emma. Thank Hi, this is Emma. Um, I am a co-host of Transpositive, and I'm also the 
current president of the board of directors here at KBU. KBU, we prove every day that people-powered radio has the ability to bring us together across distances and give us hope when we feel despair. Your friends at KBU want to remind you that generosity has the same power. Join thousands of KBU supporters from all around the world and let's rally together to build stronger communities. Our goal for this year is $70,000. Um, we'd like to help you meet our goal. If you can, just go to kboo.fm slash give or text KBOO to this number 44321. And thanks so much for your support of KBU Community Radio. Portland on 90.7 FM, K282BH Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR Hood River on 91.9 FM. Dear KBU listeners, fantastic KBU community, we want to inform you that right now our phone system is 